Amen. Thank you so much, Ms. Van Gelderen. Beautiful song, beautiful message in the song as well. And the message is going to be very much that you're going to see the comp the, as far as even compliments each other. Well, anyway, well, first off, good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. It's great to be able to see you. If you are here as a guest, please know I am not the pastor. You need to come hear a real preacher preach after this is over with, okay? So no matter how it, how it pans out, hopefully you make your way back. I know that y'all probably miss your pastor. I'm on the tail end of this thing and how I got invited. I'm still trying to figure that out too. But anyway, but I'm thankful to be able to be here here at Ann Arbor. It's been, been a bit since I've uh, been coming, been, been back through. I saw some at different um, venues and things that you rallies or maybe a camp or whatever, so it's great uh, to see so many here, to your faithless to the Lord, and uh, hope that you're praying for your pastor while he's having this sabbatical time, and uh, I, I definitely, I, I make it a habit for myself, I don't know if I'm not telling you have to do it, but I make it happen myself that I pray for my pastor back at home every day. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that I don't know what he goes through inside of his mind. I think in a lot of ways, I know because I know ministry, but I don't even have a clue, and so definitely, I definitely hope that you would make it a practice that for him and his family and different things, be praying for them. For, for those who have no idea who I am, besides a picture on the graphic that was just there, I'm Adrian, my wife Tabitha, who's on the picture as well, and I have my daughter Jasmine, my oldest daughter Jasmine with me, and my younger daughter Janae, and uh, my wife and Janae are back at the hotel, um, Janae is not feeling well, and so we weren't confident what was going on, so we just went, you went ahead and stayed back there at the place. And just so you know as well, at the service, I hope you don't think I'm being rude or anything, but my right hand is, at, is out of commission. I cannot, I can shake with my left hand all day long, but my right hand, I hurt it. And typically I wear my brace, but flying here, I forgot it home in North Carolina. And so the natural question is, people ask me, well, Adrian, what happened? Well, I've been asked a number of times, and it's kind of embarrassing, but I'll tell you anyway, I hit a pulpit, you know, and when I was preaching, and it was a metal pulpit, and uh, I went down, I was just making a point, wasn't doing anything too incredibly crazy, um, but I hit it down, and I haven't felt the same since, and so I just haven't, uh, still haven't got everything figured out, what's going on there, but anyway, so if I see at the service, and I reach and grab the left hand, thing, left hand of fellowship, said the right hand, you know exactly what is going on. Hey, well, as we begin this, this morning, um, I was, you know, this is going to be t today and tonight, you'll see a linking between the two thoughts, and even during the first service, I spoke from Haggai, because a little bit different of a nuanced view, but I believe this matter of his ways are higher than mine, I really want us to unpack that truth here during this morning service together. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk. Now, not a common passage of scripture, but of one that really is so much meat to understand even our thoughts of today. We're going to look at Habakkuk, I'm going to move through the book, and then we're going to only make one point. So the introduction to you is going to seem exceedingly long, and it is, um, but the, the message is really, really short. So it's going to be the same length as many messages you would hear. However, I want you to know the approach of what we're going to be looking at here in the book. Now, a way of introduction to the thought, I'll tell you the, the reasoning behind it. Um, I remember when I was, in, I, I'm from North Carolina, I sound nothing like it, because I grew up on the western, I mean, on the east coast, by the beach, the western side is where it's a, that's a different animal altogether, okay? But anyway, but I'm on the east coast, and uh, growing up, we, were, we, we went to Wilmington, which was a big town near us, and we went to see a play as a high school. Well, I went to a very small um, 
private school. And as I went to that school, we went on a field trip going to the big town of Wilmington. I didn't care what we were doing. The fact that we were going on a field trip was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. We went and we watched a play. The play was called The Monkey's Paw. Some of you might be familiar with that short story, a fiction, obviously, short story. But basically, it uh, summarizes this. It's a guy, he gets his mummified monkey's paw, him and his wife, and as they get this mum, they have three wishes. And so, um, just like a lot of other stories go, but they, they didn't believe in it, and so they just haphazardly wish, well, if this thing is real, I wish that my house were paid off. And they w- made the wish, and the guy who gave him the paw said this, you will always get your wish, but just be careful the way you get it, because it might not be the way you think it's going to happen. He didn't believe it, so they went ahead, they wished for whatever it was. So um, he had a son, and so Mr. and Mrs. White were the main character, they had a son. So Mr. White went to school, went to school, went to work with his son, and as they went to work, the son unfortunately was killed in an accident. And then the devastating news, the story continues, he tells his wife the tragic news. Well, the company felt responsible for what happened to their son. So their company came and they gave them a settlement in cash. The settlement in cash was the exact amount to pay off their house. Then they were reminded about the monkey's paw. Well, I would want to get the wish, but be careful. You will get it. Just be careful because what you wish for might not be the way you think you're going to get it. Now, however, with that in mind, you can read the rest of the story, see what happens. But I want us to think about this truth. I'm not telling you be careful what you pray for, but I'm saying be aware what you pray for. Because God could be answering your request, even though it might not seem that he's answering your request. See, sometimes we continue to pray for things that God already has given us an answer. It's just not the answer you want, and we, I want, and so therefore we keep on praying, and God's like, I've already moved in that situation. Well, in this category that we're going to be looking at, this is what's taking place. Is they're praying for something, but they're not sure how God's going to answer it, and they're shocked by the answer. Just so you have a context of what's going on, a little bit of a history here. But Solomon, you probably might know David, then David, and then Solomon the king. Then after Solomon, the kingdom splits up between the north and the south. And then during this time, you had some kings that wanted to do right for a little while at least, and some kings who didn't care about the things of God. So you had a lot of craziness going on between the north and the south. They weren't like having a civil war, but they're just kind of doing their own thing. So in the south, though, specifically where Jerusalem was, you're finding that at this time, this is the part in history before Babylon comes in and takes them all over. So if you wanted to know, though, what it was like during this time, it was pretty rough to live during these days. You know, if you lived during this days, you would find that economically it had been very hard for many people. You only had two classes of people, for the most part, that were in the southern kingdom. You had the very rich and you had the very poor. There really wasn't a lot of in-between. The reason of it is because unjust balances. Those who are rich wanted to keep the money in their family and in their structures, and so therefore they charge exorbitant prices to the poor. And the reason wasn't to gain their own to gain wealth. They did it mainly just to keep those who are poor poor. They wanted to keep their family status or whatever it is, and so by doing so, they flexed their muscles of power by keeping those who are poor. So really, you had unjust balances that was very common. You would find that also during this time that morality is an absolute joke during this time. I mean, when you start moving into the New Testament, the intertestable period, it is average that the average man was married 16 times. The average man. So that means that 
children and who they belong to was an absolute disaster to find out who is even related to who. Who's even the family member to this person over here because morality isn't something that's even on the radar for most people. You would find that on your way to work, so to speak, that child sacrifices would be happening habitually. Even though you might not be the one participating, it was commonplace to be able to see and to be able to know where these horrific activities were taking place to false gods throughout the land and throughout Judah. You find that this is not a happy time to live. Economically, spiritually, every different area specifically, this time was rough. Now, Habakkuk is interesting. Typically, here is how a prophet works. A prophet gets a message from God. Then he goes to the people and tells the message that God has given to him typical prophet. I mean, Amos, Hosea, I mean, they get a word and they tell the people. Habakkuk is the only prophet that I see in scripture, at least, that is the exact opposite. The only prophet who goes to God on behalf of the people. So here's what Habakkuk's doing. He walks around to his neighborhood. He sees pain. He sees suffering. He sees so many things happening in his world. And instead of it being him getting a message from God, he he goes to God on behalf of the people. He goes to God and says, God, what on earth? Like, here is Habakkuk's entire mindset. I'm trying in my mind to reconcile that God is in control when I see such chaos. <laughs> How on earth? Can you be in control, God? Look around me. Do you not see what I see? I see pain. I see suffering. God, I'm trying to believe you're in control when things are out of control. That's the message of Habakkuk. He comes to God, and he asks a hard question that I think we should take note of. Let's begin reading. Habakkuk chapter number one. We're going to begin reading verse number one. Just one moment. The Bible says this, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear. <laughs> Even crying to thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are they that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. This is pretty strong language. This is what my mom would be like, do you know who you're talking to? But you look as Habakkuk just pours his heart to God. I'm not going to unpack this truth. We'll talk about this truth tonight about how he, how he addresses God. But here's the title. Here's the thought. How to reconcile that God's in control when things are out of control. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin, though. Father in heaven, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for truth. I pray that you give us wisdom about this matter. Lord, we thank you for Habakkuk and the story that we see here so clearly in Scripture. And I pray that you would use your word, Lord, to be able to put an impression inside of our heart. Lord, I pray that the message of Habakkuk be the message, Lord, that we hear today and echoed very clearly. Lord, I pray that you just empty me of myself and fill my spirit to say that you'd have me to say. I'm being a faithful steward of your word. Lord, I don't know the situation and needs inside the building, but I do know, Lord, that your word can meet them, and so I pray that you would. I thank you so much, Lord, for everything you've done and everything you will do. In Christ's name we pray it all. Amen. 
If you're keeping notes, I, I apologize. There's sometimes I actually do have an alliterated outline. Today's not that day, and neither is tonight, by the way, but uh, today's not that day. Here's how the, Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk works. It's the easiest way to outline it is this. Habakkuk says something, then God responds. <laughs> Habakkuk says something, and God responds. That's how the whole book works. So therefore, there's really no need for me to think of a full outline. Basically, it's exchanges that happen between God and Habakkuk. So the first exchange is this. God, I mean, Habakkuk comes to God, and he lays out this request. Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? I'm telling you about violence in my land. I'm telling you about pain in my land. I'm telling you about everything that's around me. It's chaotic. God, where are you during this time? Now, God is not against hard praying. He's not. God's not against hard questions. He's not. Jesus on the cross was the one who said, my God, my God, why Hast thou forsaken me? It's not like God in heaven is intimidated that the fact that you have a question that seems unanswerable to many. So God, he comes to God, and God answers Habakkuk. So again, the first exchange, verse number five. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, and will be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breath of the land, and through the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards, and they are more fierce than the evening wolf. And their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horse shall come from afar. They shall fly as an eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And he continues... You say, what on earth did God tell Habakkuk? Do you know what essentially God tells Habakkuk? Habakkuk, I'm going to answer your prayer. You wondering what my message is? Do you know what's getting ready to happen? Guess what? I'm going to send Babylon, and they're going to wipe you off the face of the map. That's what I'm going to do. Did you not see the language that was used? They're going to come in. They're like the fierce evening wolves, by the way. You see, let me tell you about their horsemen. Oh, man, they're swifter than leopards. <laughs> Dear more, what I'm saying is he's bragging on the army of Babylon. He's like, they're going to come in, you're going to blink your eyes, and guess what? You are going to go away. <laughs> now, can you imagine Habakkuk saying, hold up, I didn't say it all that now. <laughs> you know, like, hold up. I, 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 I was asking for, like, sweep in, save us, fix all the bad people. No, no, no. God said, I got a solution, and I'm going to have you all destroyed. You're going to go into captivity. Now, as you're seeing this unfold, and this first exchange, you can imagine, obviously, there's no emojis in the Bible, right? So you don't know exactly what Habakkuk's face is doing during this time. However, I can imagine Habakkuk going, uh, oh my. Like I, got my, like, I got myself in some trouble by asking this question in the beginning. Remember about, not saying be careful, but be aware of what you're praying for. Because God could be answering it just not in the way you think. Well, and so that's the first exchange that you see. Then, in verse number 12, Habakkuk responds. <laughs> Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, mine holy one? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. But he says this, Thou art purized and behold evil, and canst look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoured the man that's more righteous than he. You know, Habakkuk's like, you know what we would say a lot of times, I know we ain't perfect, <laughs> you know. Like, I know we got our problems, Lord, here in Israel. We got our issues. I get it. But come on. You're going to use somebody who's worse than us to judge us? Like, Babylon's worse than us? Like, like you think we're doing bad? They're horrible. And you're going to use somebody like that? 
Like, he's wrestling with this idea. Like, he knows they've done wrong. He knows the understanding, but he's trying to reconcile. This is not how it's supposed to get fixed. This is not the way you're supposed to intervene. He's wrestling with it. In fact, Habakkuk's name, which is very indicative of most of the prophets, their name is significant. Habakkuk is a compound word. The compound word in Hebrew of Habakkuk is this, embrace and struggle. So it's the idea of hugging and, and struggling. Like, I'm trying to embrace you, God. I'm trying to hold on to your promises, but it's kind of hard. <laughs> Lord, this is not easy to, to, to rest in you when my eyes see what my eyes see. Well, you do your own study on 14 through 17, how he uses the illustration about the fisherman and the net, of also of how he's explaining to God, God, come on, this doesn't make sense. Well, it seems in chapter number 2, verse 1, that there's a, there's a time of pause, meaning God's not saying anything. Because Habakkuk says this, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. So basically, Habakkuk pours it out. God, come on, you're going to do this? You're going to be like this? This doesn't make sense. And God seemingly says nothing. Now, nothing is an answer, <laughs> just so you know. You say, why do you say it like that? Because God makes us wait sometimes. And waiting is one of the toughest trials because waiting, especially in American culture, is tough because it's a reminder that you're not in control. That's why we hate to wait so much. It's not a time issue. There's many times where we wait in line, then go burn that time playing a game on our phone. So it's not a time issue. It's a you're not in control issue. It's a your resume can't fix it issue. Your personality can't change it issue. It's an issue where God makes Habakkuk say, Habakkuk, I want to hear you call on my name even though it seems I'm doing nothing on your behalf. God does make us wait. And in this case, he does, and he says, all right, God, you're going to make wait. Okay, I will stand upon my watch. I'm going to go ahead and get cozy. I'm going to keep on asking you till you answer. Oh, man, now you got something. When he was willing to wait, it continues in verse number two. And the Lord answered me. So God answered in the way that he was hoping. And here's what he said. Write the vision. <laughs> make it plain upon the table that he may run that wreath. This is what Habakkuk wants. Remember, he wants the God, give me the message. What are we to do? What are we to do to reconcile in our minds so much pain around us that God, you're in control. Help me, God. And God said, go ahead, get your pen out. <laughs> go ahead, get your paper out. Write the vision. Get ready. Get the table ready. I got a message that he may run that refit, meaning it ain't going to be long. <laughs> it ain't going to be in-depth, so in-depth that you're going to have to copy, copy, copy. No, this one, as he that runneth, it, uh, he that run may read it, he that read it may run. So basically, once the person gets the message, it ain't going to take all day for them to understand what I'm trying to say. What did he say? For the vision is, verse 3, for the vision yet for the point of team. But at the end it shall speak, and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. This is his message. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. This is interesting. See, I'm sure he was looking for 
a message that kind of encapsulated of, here, drink VA juice and make sure you do your exercise every morning and then you'll have peace of mind. No, no, he didn't say that. There's no act. He said, do you know how you're going to live? How you're going to remain sane in an insane world? The just shall live by his faith. You know, it's interesting. Because the, our eyes are the enemy of our faith. Um, this is, uh, as an evangelist, I'm sure most evangelists, when they come, they might say something like this, but they tell you their truck and trailer horror story. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my truck and trailer horror story, but I will tell you a story um, that was mind-blowing to me. Our truck was having some issues, surprise, surprise, and so we needed to get it fixed. I got to the church, and I asked the pastor, hey, pastor, do you have somebody who can work on a diesel truck? I had an F-550 at the time, and I said, do you have anybody who can work on a diesel truck? It's a big truck, and, uh, you know, we just work anybody you got. And he said, sure thing. He said, on Monday morning, we'll get you hooked up. So Monday morning, I get up. Hey, where's that place? Got the address for my pastor? And so he says, sure enough. And uh, he says, all right. And he gives me directions. Then right before I leave, he says this. Hey, brother, oh, just so you know, uh, the mechanic I'm saying to you, he's a great mechanic. He is blind, but he is a great mechanic. Now, I'm not hating. I just never had heard that before, you know? You're serious. I thought he was pulling my leg out sometimes, Pastor be saying little jokes and stuff. He's like, no, I'm dead serious. He's blind, but he's a great mechanic. I, I said, all right, listen to the preacher, <laughs> you know, whatever. And I drive over there. Sure enough, he comes over to where I was, and uh, he was working on a Mustang. I'll never forget. Working on a Mustang. He comes to where I was. He kind of stands right here, and he says, hey, you must be the preacher. And I kind of jump over. Yeah, I'm the preacher, you know, I like, getting ready to work on my truck. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he said, I said, well, I'm nervous because I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. And so I was like, well, the truck is right over here. Let's go take a look. And I'm like, ah, not like that. You know, like, not, no, like, like I'm like, sitting here crucifying myself for everything that I'm saying. And I was like, okay, okay, there's a truck. It's over there. Just if you just tell me what you want me to do, you know, and he starts going over and he gets the, the truck and he says, all right, get behind the wheel. And he says, all right, crank it up. And then he takes his hands. He crawls in there and he starts feeling, I'm scared to put my hands in there and I can see. The man put his hands all in. He said, rev it up, rev it up, rev it up, rev it up. You know, like all these commands. And then he says, turn it off, turn it off. Then he's like smelling it, like tasting stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? The man diagnosed my truck and he was blind. You know, sometimes, you know, illustrations can be like hyperbole to make a point. I am telling you, there's no hyperbole. It blew my mind. He was right. He diagnosed my truck and he was blind. Now, it's interesting. The man couldn't see, but he lived his life as if he could see. I want you to hear that. He could not see. But in many ways, he lived his life as he could see. Now, you and I can physically see. But there are going to be some times we're going to live our life as if we cannot physically see. Because what we see right now is the enemy of our faith. And many times what's happening is this is that we are getting so focused upon what is around me and these have more bearing than the faith I have in my God. And what he's saying is this, do you know how you're going to live? <laughs> 
Do you know how you're going to exist? We know we're saved by faith. I believe there's a group understanding of the fact that you're not going to lay your eyes on the Son of God this side of heaven, but you believe that He paid a debt you could never pay, and through salvation you accept the freak of the salvation. Yes, that's how you're saved, but do you know how we're going to live? <laughs> by faith. And sometimes our eyes can be the thing that makes us doubt the very foundation of our faith. He looks at Habakkuk. He gives him this message. Now, verses 5 down through the rest of the chapters is the woes. It sounds kind of weird to say it like that, but there's like the, it's just the woe to do this and woe to do that. It's what I covered in the introduction. I encourage you to read it, and I hope you read the book of Habakkuk, maybe tomorrow, your devotions, to get an understanding. However, we get to Habakkuk 3. We're almost through the introduction, okay? Remember one point? <laughs> We're almost through. Habakkuk 3. This is an entirely different, different thing because Habakkuk 3 is a psalm. It literally could be Psalm 151. You would not know the difference if that is how the canon would be laid out because this right here is the same structure, same everything that you would find in the book of Psalms. What this is, is a psalm of Habakkuk, a song, right? So here at the end, we have a man who essentially at the beginning saying, God, I'm crying to you about a violence. You're not doing anything about it. Ends off with this song to God. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but it begins, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Sijinon. Hell, Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of years, in the midst of years make known in wrath, remember mercy. Now, it's interesting because as he starts to sum off, he's being honest. Lord, I heard what you had to say, and I was scared. <laughs> Babylon's still coming. You're, you're, you haven't changed your mind. This entire thing wasn't like, oh, God decided to have mercy. No, he didn't. He's going to have Babylon destroy him. But he says, oh, Lord, revive thy work. It's interesting. He didn't say, fix all them knucklehead people who are doing all them crazy child sacrifice. No, he said, Lord, help your people. Lord, by thy work. That's interesting. I'm just coming on. Then he says, in the midst of years, what did he say? In the midst of years, make known and wrath, remember mercy. You know what he's saying? Lord, if you still see fit to spare us, please do. <laughs> like, you see the human element. It's not like he's relishing the fact of the Babylonians coming in with their leopards, you know, their horses switching leopards. He's not asking that, but he's saying, Lord, in your wrath, please remember mercy to your people. He continues down in verse 17. It says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the world shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. And the flock shall be cut from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like Hans' feet. He will make me to walk upon high places to the chief singer on my string instruments. So, you see the power of what he's saying in verse 17? The fig tree shall not blossom. No fruit shall be in the vines. The labor oil shall fail. Do you know what he's saying? Lord, you could take everything away from me. Lord, you could... Guess what? There's no herd in the stalls. You know what that means, right? No herd in the stalls. You mean that, like, your food supply? What's that? He's saying, Lord, you might choose to take it all away from us. But I still will rejoice in you. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. Because if we get to the fact, the just shall live by his faith. Now, that's, that's the introduction, okay? That's the message. One point. There's only one point. It's not a happy point. 
But I want you to hear me. Because I think sometimes we can confuse our just shall. Sometimes we think the just shall live by his faith. Sometimes we mistake our faith for stuff. And I want to talk about that just for a moment in closing. Now, ah, let me see here. Let's just pretend. Let's pretend there's like a stand-up mic right here, okay? And there's going, a couple of them going across the stage. Now, um, th- some of you know this, some of you don't, but we, our family, we spend nine months of our calendar year here in the United States. We spend three months of our calendar year in Central and South America. So, ustedes saben español aquí? Yo estoy tratando de aprender español, pero mi español es... No, no es bueno, pero... Ah, muy bien. Yo necesito practicar mi español. Anyway, we are in Spanish. We're in, um, oh, I should translate that, shouldn't I? Um, I? I'm just telling her that I'm trying to speak Spanish and learn to speak Spanish, and uh, that's my goal as we're here in, the United, here in the United States and three months over there. But anyway, and you say, what do you do over there? Well, the same thing I do here. I mean, it just, I think the get to the evangelist of Ephesians 4 should be, you know, every church, right? And so as we're here for three months. So the whole reason I say that is because I sometimes would take people overseas with me. You want to go on a missions trip or whatever it be, I've usually been an open book. Hey, look, I'll take you. You know, I'm happy. Everybody wants to say they want to go until it comes time to go. <laughs> and so I took a group of teens with us and um, a couple from a couple of churches or whatever on a trip. And as we went down in different things, I would sometimes then hear the testimonies of people who went on a missions trip. And let me tell you, remember, go back to these microphones lying across. Let me tell you what happens on a Sunday evening, okay? This is a really terrible illustration, but... I want you to stay with me, okay? A kid will get up, he'd be, have, have his mic and different things, and be safe like this. Hey, yeah, I, I went on the trip, like, this past year. It was really good. Uh, I appreciate everyone who, like, supported us to be able to um, go on the trip and everything. And uh, uh, let me just say, though, one thing that really stood out to me, um, since we only have one thing, um, it was just really, really cool to me that while we were there, like, I watched people, like, they had, like, nothing. Like, I watched people who were, like, in, like, mud, huts, and, like, like their church was, like, no air conditioning. I mean, it was terribly uncomfortable. It was, like, chickens going through the services. But you know what was so incredible? It's, like, they were so happy. Like, I mean, they were just so excited to be there. It was, like, evident. Like, it was just, like, really, really cool. And just, I tell you, everything just really stood out. I was just, I just, I mean, they just had nothing. I was just, like, wow, how are y'all so happy? Then, then everybody gets their testimony. Then the adult who on the trip gets up and he gets his testimony. He says, hey, I took your uh, young people out on the trip, and it was very exciting getting to know your young people a lot while I was on the trip. Uh, but while I was there, though, I was talking to some of the, um, some of the uh, missionaries that were there. And while he was telling me, he was telling about some of the things that was going on in their government and in their world. Oh, my goodness, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was so corrupt, the things that were happening in their land and the different things. But you know what was surprising to me is when we went to the church service. The church service was just like, wow, it was amazing. You know, pastor, I'm not saying things wrong with our church service, but I tell you what, it was lively, lively at that church service over there. Giggle, 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 sticker, sticker, sticker. And then as we were doing all the other things we were doing as we go through that week, it was just mind-blowing to me, just the amazingness of the time that we had during that church service. Listen here. These are the most Laodicean statements I've ever heard in my life. Hear what was said. Listen. You know, people, they were happy, and they didn't have stuff. How does that work? How do people who don't have stuff are happy? They don't have games or trucks or cars. They don't have houses and and boats. They don't have any of that, and they're happy. Who does that? Oh, my goodness. They had a church service, and their government was corrupt. How did they do that? How were they happy in the middle of all the things that are happening in the crazy world that they were living in? Listen, 
our faith sometimes is not in God. It's in our stuff. <laughs> and then one day when God takes our stuff, we say it's God. It is nothing more than our stuff. And then God, we are challenged. Where does your faith lie? Sometimes it truly is the things. The giver of things we think to ourselves is the one we're worshiping. Even though we're saying, well, God's the one who gave me this. God's the one, and that's why I am so, no, 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 no. If he stopped giving the stuff, would your faith still stand? Look, I want my kids to have things inside of their life that they can enjoy. I want to leave them an inheritance of a wise man leaves, you know, to his children's children. I believe in all of that. But listen to me. I am not teaching Jasmine, and I'm not trying to teach Janae that God owes them a picket fence and a two-story house and a two-car garage and one and a half kids. That's me! God could choose that Jasmine and I, he'd take it all away, and he's still God. <laughs> See, see, if I'm just thinking that that stuff is what my faith is in, then, honey, I lose my mind when the Lord starts playing with my stuff. My hope would start to fail when I see my stuff that I'm holding on to is starting to slip and slip and slip away. It's the judge shall live by his faith, man. You see, when you see this psalm, I mean, well, at the end here in Habakkuk 3, it says this, a prior, prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shijinoth, which is interesting. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping it up in different things, but is, is Shijinoth is, I don't know music a ton or anything like that. But when I was in teen choir, I did remember this. And if it's not true, somebody shoot me and tell me later, okay? But when we're singing... Sometimes you see on the notes and stuff, there'll be like these little letters. Sometimes there'll be like a P, or sometimes there's like an F or something. From my recollection of teen choir, it was this. The F means you get real loud, right? And a P up there means you sing it softly. Like, you know, you don't sing like in the garden like you'd be saying how great thou art, right? It's just, it has a different spirit and different things behind it. In Hebrew, shizhanah, this word that is here, it denotes a way the song is sung, sung. It is to be sung with loud and exuberant praise. This is not the time where you bring your in the garden voice. This is not the time where we just kind of hum it kind of at the end of an invitation. Do you know what he's saying? Although the fig tree shall not blossom, although the fruit shall not be in the vine, this is loud, this is exuberant, this is praise God. If you choose still will trust you. That's tough. Suddenly we learn that living by faith is more than just the code word for I live a different means of getting my income than somebody else. It means how you live in this world. So, as we've gone through this passage and today, I've been trying to be as intentional as possible not to draw any parallels between today and what was back happening Habakkuk's time. If you drew a parallel between today's society and Habakkuk's time, 
That's you, man. I just told you what happened then. Surprise, surprise. That we can see a lot of things that happen now. And I'm just going to take a stab in the dark and just still say that if I beg God for an answer of what to do today, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a gander that he would probably say, the just shall live by his faith. Can we bow our heads and hearts together? Lord, as we come to you during this time of, Lord, we come just knowing that your word is sufficient. I pray that you would just take your word and, Lord, use it in a way that, Lord, that only you can. I pray for the needs inside this room, the ones I don't know about, the ones, Lord, that are even beyond me, even they were explained to me. It's a song so clearly laid out. Lord, your thoughts are so higher, much higher. Your plans are so much greater. Lord, help me not just to have faith in the stuff that you give me. Lord, help my, help my faith to be in you. With our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment, during this time of this invitation, as everybody does things differently, I get it, you know, different speakers, you've had a realm of different speakers, whatnot. I want you to understand this truth about the invitation. It's just like it sounds, it's an invitation. Like, if I had a birthday invitation, I want you to come to my party, it doesn't mean you have to come to my party, it just means that you're welcome to if you want to. That's all it means. Maybe you're here today, you've never placed your faith in Christ. Maybe you're, not, you're a person who's not necessarily against God, it's not like you hate him or anything like that, but... You've never placed your faith in him to trust him alone to save you from your sin. My invitation is this. If you want to know more about that, we'll have somebody here at the front that'd be glad to take a Bible and show you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. How you can know what the Bible says about what it means to be saved from your sin. Maybe it'd be, I don't want to use Christianese on you or different terms. Sometimes a one-on-one conversation is the best way. If you're not comfortable of coming during an invitation like this, then at the end of this service, it'll be my joy. If you just say, hey, Adrian, can we talk just for a moment about what it means? what you were saying from the Bible about those things. It'd be my joy to talk to you about it. Christian, if you're here today and maybe the, the faith has been in this stuff, you know? 2020 was the revealer of a lot of where our faith lies situation. What I'm just saying is this, is during this time, maybe we could just ask God, God, help me check my motives. Lord, help it be that my faith truly is in you and not in the things you give me. Maybe if you're here today and during that time of invitation as we have, <clears throat> that we have together, maybe, you, maybe sometimes some people come forward, some people bow at their seat. I, I really do not care about the optics. I just care about obedience unto the Lord. So whatever he tells you to do during his invitation, I just hope you do it. So when the piano plays, and you can begin playing whatever you choose, Sir Sigmund, you begin to play. You know, we're not going to stand up or anything like that. We're not going to sing. It's just before somebody asks us a question, about how's your truck running, how's good, such and such going on. Before anything happens like that, let's just take a time that we meditate and pray about what God has spoken to us about. Let's pray together.
Lord, I want to be that in my life I love you for who you are. Lord, I don't need a Santa Claus version of you that just gives me everything I want. I don't need a version of you that to every whim and desire. Lord, I want to be able to love you whatever your choice is. Lord, whenever you decide to bring a Babylon into my life, as hard as it is, God, just please, your ways are higher than mine. Allow me to be able to conform and live by faith. Lord, allow me to be able to keep my heart in focus that there's a God in heaven who wants that which is best. Lord, who will help me in my life to make a choice to choose to trust you through so many situations and circumstances. I pray. And my faith wouldn't lie in just what you give me, but in who you are. May my love deepen for you. Or may you become more real to me. I pray for the people in the building today, whatever the needs are. Lord, that we would echo, even though it might be a, a hard song to sing like Habakkuk, and we might not have all the Shijanoff energy but we're trusting you to sing a song. Say, make my feet like Hans' feet, Lord. Help me to rest and trust in you as I embrace you. And even though it's a struggle sometimes, I will choose to embrace who you are. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for Habakkuk, a real guy who had a real struggle that's encouraging our hearts. I thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do. In Christ's name, I pray it all. Amen.